Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. singing was was outstanding too. Just blessed my soul. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Turn with us to the book of Luke chapter number 18. Luke chapter number 18. Um, the Spirit has pressed upon my heart for days now this thought and uh, I don't know if I'll get it all out this morning or or what he's going to do but it's it's more than... than uh, well, it just overwhelms my little brain. But uh, I am so grateful uh, for the mercies of God and, and need Him today. Um, I feel like, you know, there's times that we we preach and, and realize that the message may not truly hit some folks, right? Um, you know, if, if we we preaching on adultery, you good people, you know, it ain't going to fall on most of you. I hope it ain't going to fall on most of you. But this one won't miss you, right? This one will not miss you. So I, I say that because I want to I tune you in right now. You need to be listening this morning. Um, we we, we got to get this right. And... I'm afraid that it's easily got wrong. So Luke chapter number 18, the words of Jesus is what we'll read to you this morning. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Bow with us. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to move among us. Grant us the utterance to speak. We're but a vessel, and we know it. We're but a bucket that must be filled and then emptied and to all of this, we trust you to do. We're nothing. We, we're desperate for you. We pray for your help. That you would open our hearts. That we might see ourselves in your word as we see you. Cleanse us and purge us and make us right today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. Um, if I had a title this morning, I would, I would certainly suggest that this message is about the dangers of self-righteousness, something that Jesus clearly spoke about in the Gospels multiple times. 
Um, I, I find the amazing thing of the Son of God as uh, some of the most questionable of characters, right? And I say that uh, I say that carefully because we all were questionable characters before we found Him. But He didn't turn any of them away. Isn't that wonderful? Just to just to know that that the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery when she was cast at Jesus' feet, he didn't cast her away. As a matter of fact, as he'd rode upon the ground and, and they finally had all left because they were all self-righteous and he dealt with that. He turned to her and said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? And she looked around and said, Lord, I have none. You know what precious words he said? Well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, it wasn't that he condoned the sin that was she. But listen to me. The Bible said in John three seventeen that he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. But the problem is nobody needs to be saved in their own mind. The problem with the world today is they're not lost. They don't see themselves as desperate and destitute absent of God, alienated from God and on their way to hell. They don't see themselves that way. And the dangers of self-righteousness is that it's present in everyone because self-righteousness is a product of your pride. Pride is evident and present in every one of us. You don't have to learn that when you were born with it. You're prideful by nature. And if it's let alone, it can grow to proportions that will truly strip you of joy and peace while it allows your pride to become a god in your own life. And you end up suffering because that that pride is out of control. And self-righteousness is a byproduct of that pride. What our pride tells us is that we're good enough. That we've done good stuff. Our pride tells us that I'm just as good as the next man. Or by the way, compared to this one, I'm way better. And somehow or another, that self-righteousness causes us to believe that we can do it all on our own. Now, you're acquiescing. I can see it in your eyes this morning. You're, you're saying, yep, that's right, preacher. Tell them all about it. But I'm talking to you. what just caused that thought in your heart was the problem. Well, this one has eaten me alive. You know, there's some that I have to repent over and then there's some that I have to repent over. Self-righteousness is killing us. I don't want to speak specifically just for this church. You're as fine a people as I've ever met. But let me be clear. You're not the example of holiness. And when I compare you to Jesus and compare me to Jesus, I find, oh, we're way short. We've missed the mark. We're sinners. Changed by the grace of God, but I still live in a sinful flesh, and it's prideful by nature. I want to preach this morning on the dangers of self-righteousness, and I hope we'll get this, because if we can deal with self-righteousness, you know what will happen? we'll end up becoming humble before God. And the Bible said those that are humbled, he would exalt. 
and those that are exalted he would humble. I hope and pray this morning that we're able to deal with this self-righteousness. Do you know today that sinner and saint can be guilty of self-righteousness? Now, now the crux of the message today will be to the saint. Right? I'm going to preach to the church this morning and the dangers of self-righteousness. But if you're sitting here this morning and you know right now that you're lost, you're not, you're not prepared to meet God, I just want to say to you that the sinner can also be self-righteousness. Did you know that it was the sinner's self-righteousness that says, I don't need to go to church? It's the sinner's self-righteousness that says, I'm just as good as them hypocrites that are going to that church. It's their own self-righteousness that says, I'm good in my own way. I do this or I do that. And they justify themselves instead of being just in the eyes of God. So the saint can be self-righteous as well as the sinner. But I want to preach to the saint this morning. Because we need, we need to recognize what a sinful, sinful, wicked sin that self-righteousness it is. Um, as I thought about this and, and how to preach it, the scripture is clear and I'm just going to preach the word. But I want you to, I want you to think this morning that, that some of you are good people. I say that. I say that compared to me, right? To compared to me, I look at some of you and I think, that's some of the, that's some of the finest people I've ever met. And uh, I trust you. And many of you, I, I'd, I'd, I'd put my life in your hands. But it's that greatness. If you're not careful, it's that goodness that is in you. that you can become prideful over. And then suddenly all that was spiritual righteousness becomes self-righteousness. And what was good can become evil. You see, the problem with the Pharisee was not that they didn't do good things. The problem is that their pride was in the good things they did and not in God. It wasn't in Christ. We're supposed to be righteous. There's not a question about that. That's why this sin is so subtle. That's why it's such a dangerous and wicked sin is because before you know it, it has already found itself in your life. Why? Because you you justify yourself by saying what I'm doing is what he's told me to do and I'm doing it and I'm doing it every day. I do it and I do it and I don't do this and I do do that and all of that lines up with the word of God and before you know it, you begin to be prideful that you are doing it. Truth is, you ain't doing it. It's Christ in you or it's nothing at all. The Bible is clear. There's none good (laughs) No, not one. If you think you're good today, self-righteousness has already taken root. I want you to recognize this morning that I'm not preaching against righteousness. The Lord knows every one of us are called to be righteous. Let me give you some of the word of God concerning righteous because I don't want you to leave here this morning and say the preacher said we can just live any way we want to, that righteousness is not important. 
Absolutely not. You can find verse after verse after verse. You, you, you ought to thank God I didn't write them all down. There's scores of them. Of how, and that's just in the New Testament of how we are to be righteous for God. Number one, Matthew chapter number five, verse six, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Matthew six thirty three. but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Acts chapter number 10, verse 35. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Romans 10, verse number 10. Don't we love this one? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, may I say this? We're supposed to be righteous. If you've been born again, you've been made a new creature in Jesus Christ. According to the Apostle Paul, the old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. I am supposed to be different than I was. I am supposed to live right. I'm supposed to walk right. I'm supposed to talk right. I believe I'm supposed to dress right. I'm supposed to act right. I'm supposed to be what God has called me to be. But brother, righteousness is good as long as it's based in Him. But may I say, when you become prideful, about what you're doing you suddenly have slipped into a different place no longer is spiritual righteousness something to be commendated for but you've allowed it to turn into self-righteousness and you become as wicked as the Pharisee in whom the Lord Jesus dealt with quite severely I find in the word of God that every Pharisee that come to him that was in their own righteousness had a real issue. Oftentimes, Jesus wouldn't even answer them. He'd ask them a question of his own, and and they'd just walk away. Their righteousness had blinded their own eyes. Their righteousness had taken them to a place where they couldn't see themselves as they should have. Listen, self-righteousness today will cause you to slumber when we should be awakened. Self-righteousness will say all is well when it's not well at all. Self-righteousness will take you into a dark place while you think all the while the light is on you. May I say today, this is a dangerous thing and it is subtle because you people have righteousness. I know it. It's present. It was imputed to you by the righteousness of Jesus Christ when you believed. But let's be clear about where my righteousness comes from. (laughs) Uh, It came from him. Let's remember back just a moment of who we were. Alienated from God. Lost in our sins, desperately wicked in our heart. We had no desire for God and was absent of God in every way. So how, how in the world do we get to the place today that we actually can look in the mirror and say, boy, I finally am good. But we do that. Be careful not to shake your head. No, we do that. You say, how do I do that? Listen to me every time that somebody, you ever had that person come up to you and the first thing that goes through your head is, oh, no, not them again. Oh, no, not that person again. I can smell the booze already. 
I can't tolerate such as that. I just can't go with, oh, I know how they're living. They're just faking it right now. They seem like they want something, but they really don't. Oh, I just can't deal with that anymore. That's self-righteousness. And we'll get to the dangers of it specifically. But I want you to know today that our righteousness, according to Isaiah, is what? See, you good righteous people, you even know the Scripture. But if we're not careful, we'll take what we know and we'll allow that to justify us as opposed to being right with God. That's a dangerous sin. And it is so dangerous because before you know it, you've slipped into that area that causes you to be indifferent toward the souls of other men. What the Word of God says, friend, is that there is none righteous, no, not one. But Isaiah 64, verse number 6, But we are all as unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Listen, we have no righteousness apart from Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul would go on to say, I have nothing to boast of. Right? Though he did boast. Right? He did it. He he boasted in defending himself in the gospel and said, hey, you want to talk about credentials? He said, I got them. And he said, it bothers me to do this. He said, but if you're going to boast, I'm going to boast too. And the reason that he boasted was to say to them, you can't live in what you think is pride. You can't allow that to be what you live for. What they were saying to Paul was, is that, oh, we're of the stock of this and the tribe of that, and we followed the law, and we've done this, and we've done that. And Paul said, hey, I did all that too. But let me be clear with you. It didn't matter that I was of the tribe of Benjamin, the stock of Israel, that I've kept the law, that I was a Pharisee according to it, that I was perfect according to that law. He said, listen, none of that matters because I was lost. I was self-righteous. I was not righteous. I was self-righteous. Listen to me. When the things of the word of God, which we ought to do, when we allow our flesh to take pride in that we did it, we just crossed the boundary. The subtlety of that sin can arrest so many. You say, preacher, we're not in this church. Listen, it's in every church. Now, I'm not just talking about the Pharisees, right? Their self-righteousness was evident. It was clear. They wore their self-righteousness on their sleeve, literally, right? They, they put it on their head. They, when they fast, they go around, oh, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting for God. You know why they did that? So other men would see them. That is self-righteousness. But I ain't talking about them people. As a matter of fact, as I look back at you good people, I don't even, I don't even see any Pharisee. I don't see anybody that, that lives, you know, with a haughty spirit that's, that's greater than thou. I don't see anybody in this room that's looking down their nose at someone else in a way that would just, just epitome of a, a Pharisee. I don't see that in here, but there's a dangerous place in that. Amen. It's not clear. So what happens is, is in that subtle way, we avoid that sinner, right? Because we got things to do for God. We don't pray for that person. I got Bible study tonight. I don't have time to pray for somebody. If I don't go to church, somebody, somebody's going to see that I'm missing. They're going to think that I, I'm not good. 
Let, let, let me establish the, the, the foundation from which we got to launch from this morning. You ain't good. Right? We, we need to get real with this truth. Is your righteousness, if it didn't come from Christ, it's his filthy rags. You know what God does with filthy rags? Same thing everybody else does. Well, I don't want that. I can't use that. It's not usable. And when righteousness is based upon ourselves and when we suddenly begin to take pride in what it is we're doing, friend, yourself, your spiritual righteousness just became self-righteousness. And brother, that is a sin in the eyes of God. We sit tucked away in our church indifferent to the calamities of mankind We want to gripe about it. We want to complain about it. We want to talk about the sinner or the sinners and and yet can't realize that in our own heart, the only reason we're looking down our nose at someone else is because we have elevated ourselves higher than we ought to be. There is none in this room that is higher than anyone else. Because here's what I know. What the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians, I ain't going to be able to preach all this, I know it. 2 Corinthians 5 and 5, and he said, we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. What that means, Faye, is as much as I love you, as much as I think you're a saint of God, bless God, you were horribly wicked and dying and going to hell. You ain't no different than I am. You ain't no different than I You need Jesus just like I do. You're lost without God. You can't make it without God. You can't do anything without God. I need Jesus in everything I do. And I've never lived a day. I'll never be able to say to God, did you see me preach? I'll fall before him and I will say, oh, Thank you that you let me preach. That you made me to preach. That you caused me to preach. I can't do anything. What a foolish thought. Yet every day in this country, men stand behind a pulpit and look down at their noses at people And from their high position, they pontificate righteousness as if they are the standard. There is but one good. And that is God. One good. Are you really building us up today? Oh, I hope today that it strips from us the blindness of this sin. The subtlety of this. Oh, it's it's so easily gone. Amen. I'm going to use you for an example, not because you're guilty, but just because you're in front of me. You play the guitar so wonderfully. And, And those songs, I know you wrote it. And I know the Holy Spirit gave it to you. And the power in that is so wonderful. But you know what the danger of that is? It's so good. You see my trouble? I'll tell you right now, I need help. I do. I need it, friend, when you put your hand on me and say, Preacher, I enjoyed that message. It helped me so much. I want you to know I need that. I do. But there is a danger. There is a danger. 
Amen. The Bible said be careful of the one that everybody thinks good of. I'll tell you right now, it's probably somebody that's thinking good because they have pride in what they're doing. We have no righteousness within ourselves. I'm going to share with you this morning, and I'll finish the message if he'll let me tonight. I'm going to share with you this morning from the book of Job. A man that God said was righteous. And I don't reckon he ever said that about me except through the righteousness of Christ, which has been imputed to me through faith. Right? right? I am not telling you that I ain't righteous. I am telling you that I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ because when I believed in Christ, my sin was traded for his righteousness and I am now righteous by Christ. Right? We established that. I could have preached to you 40 other references to that truth. We are the righteous of God. Absolutely. But we are righteous because of God. And when we lose sight of that, we slip into this sinful nature of self-righteousness that is fueled by our pride. And oh, it just, oh, it just loves to fan that flame. Right? Somebody, somebody put their hand on you, Paul, said, but you're the finest man I met, Paul. You believe God and you love him and you live for him and you tell people about Jesus and they just pat you on the back and you wake up tomorrow and say, oh, I've been living for him and I tell people about Jesus and, and boy, I, Lord, I'm glad, you, I guess you're glad I'm, I'm at it, ain't you? You're glad I'm, I'm on the mark. I'm, I'm winning this. I'm doing it for you. May I say to you today, the very minute that we slip from spiritual righteousness and we suddenly think that we had anything to do with it, it becomes self-righteousness. And that is a sin. It's a sin. Now, let me read to you what the Bible said, what God said about this man. Job 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Anybody know anybody like that? I mean, really, I don't know anybody like that. Job was. Say, how do you know Job was? Because he said it. He said it about Job. As a matter of fact, when the devil came to him, he said, Hey, have you considered my servant Job that there is none lacking? Now, that wasn't his buddy saying that. That was God saying, He one of a kind. I'd take that, Paul. Is that Job? He's, he's on it. Right? He had this, he had this figured out. This Job, man, he, according to God, he was a man that eschewed evil. He was perfect and upright. And you know the conversation between God and the enemy. The devil told him, he said, oh yeah. He said, Job follows you. Of course he does. He said, you got a hedge built around him. Job follows you for all the good stuff he can get. He said, you take that hedge down. He said, Job will curse you. God took him up on that challenge. He said, I'll let the hedge down. He said, you can do whatever you want to with his stuff. He said, but you can't take his life. Ain't you glad of who controls life? Yeah. God took the hedge down. He said, have at it. 
The Bible said he went and took every, every earthly possession that Job had, everything that he had, and the Bible said Job never sinned. Hmm. Job never sinned. Job never complained. He said, naked came I into the world, and, I, and that's the way I'm going to leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? We all, that's the part we like to preach about Job. Woo, that Job, he's some kind of somebody, buddy. He, you can put him through the fire. He comes out like gold every time. Took all he had. Took his family. Took everybody except his wife. Then the Bible said that the devil told him, he said, well, you let me touch his body. He said, all right, go ahead. Do whatever you want to with his body. He said, but now you can't take his life. That's mine. Devil laid on him boils, top of his head, bottom of his feet. He was in constant pain. Wasn't any part of his body that he wasn't agonizing over. And with a potsherd, he was scraping the pus out of them nasty sores as they was burning him alive. In the sackcloth and ashes, there he sat. Wife come to him and said, Joe, why don't you just curse God and die? Right? I, it hurts me, I, I believe. I used to think that she was being mean to him, but now I think she was being sympathetic. I tend to believe. She says, oh, you, I've never seen a man suffer like you, Job. Just, just curse God and get this over with. He said, why, you talk like a foolish woman. He said, you, you don't think God that gives good also gives bad? You don't think it can be, it can be hurt sometime instead of joy? No, he said he's going to trust God. And he did. Now, let's look at a man. Now, no, number one, I, I, never, I have not put myself in the same category as Job. Have you? So now what that means is like Job here, and I'm like, way down here. And let me tell you what happened to Job. What happened to Job. Bible said his friends showed up. His friends showed up. Job, he's in an awful condition. He was, he was complaining. He's in a bad way. We look at it and we say, well, boy, he had a lot to complain about. I, I'm all right with that. But he was complaining. His friends came to him and they said, Job, you've done something wrong. God only deals good stuff. This ain't God. This is it's the devil. This means you've done something wrong. God's punishing you. And you know what Job began to do? He defended his righteousness. Do you see how subtly that changed on Job? This was God that said he was a perfect and upright man. Eschewed evil. And yet when his friend got in his face and said, Job, you have sinned. You know what kicked in for Job? Pride. Because he had not sinned. He had not sinned. Well, you and I would say, well, you ain't going to say that to me because I ain't guilty. I ain't taking that. You take that back. I'd said it. And I guarantee you I'd have said it. Boy, that gets our goat when they go to accusing us. You accusing me of this. You accusing me of that. I ain't done any of that stuff. He was right. But you know what, fu- what fueled his righteousness? 
his pride? Because Job knew he had not sinned, but sin suddenly was present. Job couldn't see it. That's how dangerous, I just love this, that's how dangerous this sin is. Is Job went from, from a man that said, you talk like a foolish woman. I ain't about to curse God. And yet when his buddy stood up in his face and said, Job, what have you done? You know what he said? I've not done anything wrong. He hadn't. But you know what said that in him? His self-righteous pride. And from chapter number four all the way to chapter 38, they attack him and he comes right back at them. Back and forth and back and forth. You know what Job's getting worse at every time? His own self-righteousness. As a matter of fact, When you get to chapter number 38, what you'll find is that in that single chapter, Job speaks of himself. I think it's 83 times he uses the personal pronoun, I, me, my, mine. Who's he talking about? Well, Job's talking about self. Job's telling him how good he was. He said, hey, hey, he said, I... I have caused my eyes to never look upon a maid. I've made a commitment to my wife and I will never break that. I've never been unfaithful to my wife. All true. Should we be unfaithful to our wives? No. Job was doing it right. He said, I fed the hungry. He said, anybody that came to me, I gave to them. I did all of this. I put them up. I made sure that I did this and I did that and I don't do this and I don't do that. And you know, all the while... You know who he was building up? Himself. He wasn't guilty of any of it. But he was building up himself. I ain't even going to get to the dangers of self-righteousness this morning. I'll preach it tonight if he'll let me. But I got to finish with Job. The Bible said in verse number 31... Verse 31, not 38, I said 38 earlier. Verse number, chapter number 31, Job reached the height of his emotional self-righteousness. And he even says in verse number 35, listen to what Job says in chapter 31. He said, oh, that one would hear me. My desire is that the Almighty would answer me and that my adversary had written a book. Job says, all I want is God to come down. I'm going to tell him. Up to this point, God ain't spoke a word. But he's fixing to. Job, at the height of his emotional self-righteousness, said, oh, my heart's desire is that God would come down and I'll tell him how good I've been. You felt like you didn't deserve something. 
You ever, you ever get wronged and said, I, I didn't deserve that? If, if, if they was to snatch your loved one up and haul us to a hill somewhere and beat us silly and strip us naked and nail us to a tree and stand us up there, you'd say, they didn't deserve that. Wouldn't you? At what point have you thought you didn't deserve what Jesus got? This hurts, don't it? Hard pill to swallow sometimes. What point in my life did I get to where what my Savior went to ain't good enough for me? Anybody feeling like a sinner yet? We can get a cold and whine to God as if the sun quit shining. While Jesus went to the cross, bore my sin, tortured for me, and opened not his mouth. You know what self-righteousness will cause you to do? It'll make you think you deserve something you don't deserve. Anybody in here feel like you deserve heaven? That's the right answer. But did you mean that? Because some of you are thinking, well, I've been, I've been going to church ever since I was a baby. I know all them commandments and things. I give money, I give my time, I help the sick, I serve the dying. I love my preacher. I gave him $3 last week. Job said, oh, he told his friends, he said, if, I, if, if God just answered me, he said, I'll get this straight. You feel like you deserve something Jesus didn't get or that Jesus got somehow you don't deserve what he got. I'll tell you right now, every one of us deserved what? Hell. Look at me now. I done told you how much I love you and how much I think you are the saints of God. I meant it when I said it. Of those on this earth, put me in this crowd right here is where I want to be. I love every one of you. And, I, and I'd die for you and you'd die for me. I believe it. But you better hear me. There ain't one of us deserves to go to heaven. There ain't a day of your life you'll deserve it. There's a thing you can do. You can't do a million things and deserve heaven. No, every one of you, every single one of you will always deserve hell. Why? Because there is none good, no, not one. You see how dangerous self-righteousness is? A perfect man, upright in every way, stewed evil. One that God said that about, by the way. God said that about Job. And yet, by the end of chapter number 31, Job is just, I, you can't say that to me. I, you, I want you, look it up, ask anybody. Here's how good I am. Matter of fact, if I could just talk to God, I, we'll get this straightened out. He'll tell you how good I am. 
am. Job chapter 32, verse number 1. Here's what his three friends said. And they were right. Listen to what Job 32 and 1 says. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. And this was a perfect man. Reckon what you capable of, Alfred. This was a man that eschewed evil and was upright in every way. What do you reckon Doc might be capable of? Yeah, that's how it hit me. That is exactly how it hit me. I found myself weeping and saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. His friends just quit. We're done. Because it is clear that Job can't see anything because Job is right in his own eyes. But there was a fourth person, a fourth friend. His name was Elihu. As a matter of fact, the book of Job is written, in most part, it's from the account of Elihu. We find in, verse, in chapter 32, verse 2, that the anger of Elihu was kindled against Job. His wrath was kindled because Job justified himself rather than God. Job went from being this perfect and upright man who eschewed evil, who God said he's one of a kind. As a matter of fact, God said he's best of God. And Elihu's anger was kindled because Job justified himself and not God. You ever done that? Yes, you have. All the time. That's true. That's the reason this is such a subtle, dangerous sin. Is because it is so easy to go from being one of the finest men I know to being self-righteous. Because you suddenly think all those good things is what made you good. When the truth is, is it's what he did for you that even caused the good from you. See, self-righteousness is in reverse. We have to recognize, friend, that everything good comes from God. We don't have it. Job was self-righteous. And up to this point, God hadn't said a thing. But he will. You know why? Because Job went from the best he had to a man that was good because he was the best. You still with me? You see how dangerous and subtle that shift takes? He went from the best God had to a man who thought he was right because he was the best God had. The difference between spiritual righteousness and self-righteousness is a thought of pride. And you're guilty at that moment. At that moment, you're guilty. Oh, if God would just come down, he said, I, I, I'll, he'll show you. He'll tell you how good I am. He'll tell you, I ain't done none of that stuff you said I did. God will show you. 
I'm good. I ain't deserved any of this. And it was true. Oh, how dangerous this sin. It was true. Don't we justify ourselves? Well, I can say it because it's true. And yet when they accused the Lord Jesus Christ, how many of us would get away with not saying a word when they attack our good character? Certainly not me. I've tried to be clear about this. I have repented and repented, and I hope to God he'll never let me forget this. But when someone attacks my good character, you'd be lucky if they ain't bloodshed. I don't hear no amens, but I see them, right? Because it's true. It's true. You can't say that to me. Well, he said it to Jesus. And he opened not his mouth. And yet, did they say it to you? You'll quit church. Huh? You'll get mad at so-and-so because they said one cross thing to you and you'll go home and you'll pout and you'll say why she don't know anything about me I've never said that I've never done that I wouldn't do something like that why she's just a hypocrite I ain't going back to that hypocritical church God help us God help us pitiful Pitiful Christians that can't take one cross word, even if it wasn't true, because our righteousness is about self. It ain't about God. Oh, this hurts me. This bother anybody but me. Well, If he'll help me, I sure want to preach on the dangers of self-righteousness tonight. Because in the text from Luke 18, there are four things that are clearly declared to us. And and I hope you'll come back and hear. But I want you to hear what God said to Job. Now, verse number 38, verse number 1. I'm going to read verse number 1 through 4. Gavin, would you come to the piano, please? As we close, I'm going to close with this. Job chapter 38, verses 1 through 4. Now, mind you that God is going to start speaking in chapter 38, and he's going to speak for four more chapters. And you know what Job said while he's speaking? As a matter of fact, until you get to... uh, Verse, uh, chapter 42, verse 6, and I'll read that to you in a minute. But until you get there, Job never opened his mouth again. Because what God had to deal with was Job's problem. And he did. And you know what God wants to do in you and me? 
He wants to deal with our problem of allowing the pride which is inherent to our own natures make us righteous in our own eyes. And you are not righteous within yourself. You never will be. Listen to what he said in verse number 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? A tough question right out of the gate, wasn't it? God shows up in the whirlwind, which is miraculous, by the way. God shows up in the whirlwind, speaks to Job. Hey, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? You know what he's saying to Job? You ain't got no idea what you're talking about, boy. That's how we say it on Six Mile. You ain't got no idea what you're talking about. You ever had God say that to you in a manner of speaking? You ain't got no idea what you're doing, how you do it, where you, how you got here. Here you are breaking your arm, trying to pat yourself on the back, and he said, I did all of it. You ain't done anything. You have simply darkened counsel. You have absolutely muttered the whole thing. Because you're talking about stuff, Job, you don't even understand. Words without knowledge. Well, we like to throw them around, don't we? I got plenty of words without knowledge. I can talk about all kinds of stuff I don't know anything about. He said, who is this? That darkened a council with words without knowledge. Listen to what he said. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. You're getting serious now. He said, I've let you talk long enough until you have fully exposed what was really wrong all the while. Did you know that God will let you run your mouth and put your foot right in it just so that he can show you the reason your foot's in your mouth is because of the pride of your heart? God can flip you upside down so fast and shut your mouth that was speaking a bunch of stuff you had no idea all to reveal to you that pride was out of control in you. That you ain't nothing without Him. Ever. Boy, tunes him up. Tunes him up. Said, Job, gird up your loins like a man now. I'm fixing to ask you some questions. Let's see how you answer my question. Christ said, verse number three. He said, where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? That's what he started with. They just get better after that. But 
Amen. If you like reading some stuff, amen, go read them last four chapters, 38, 39, 40, 41. God's got some awful good questions. You know what? I never had an answer to one of them. I read them. I couldn't even answer one. I tell you right now, I, as far as I'm concerned, Job's still way up here. He said, Job, let me ask you something. He said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? He said, answer me. Do you know Job never opened his mouth? He said yes or no or maybe no. He just kept his mouth shut. You know why? Because Job had been exposed. I'll tell you right now, Lord knows, when I meet Job, I'm going to say, you great man. I pr- I... But he wasn't, a perf- he wasn't flawless. And you ain't either. The subtle sin of self-righteousness is what the devil will use on you good saints. What he'll do to stop New Providence Church is he'll use self-righteousness. He won't use booze or drugs or women. He don't have to. All he's got to do is pat you on the back enough. And suddenly you think it's about you. Oh, this is dangerous stuff. He said, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Answer me. He said, if thou hast understanding, declare it. Verse number, chapter number 42, verse number 6. As far as I know. Now, Job, we know the story, right? Job lived another 140 years. This wasn't the end for Job. He lived another 140 years. God blessed him. With ten more kids and double all the asses and oxen and camels and any of that. He he gave him double. We like to preach on that double giving, don't we? But we forget that the book is really about us understanding the danger of self-righteousness. Huh? And 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 Job was right. Right? Job wasn't lying about none of that stuff. But it was from the pride of his heart that he was saying it. Oh, ain't that dangerous? Oh, don't miss this. Oh, it's so subtle. But Job, as far as I know, the last words ever spoken by Job that were recorded. Chapter 42, verse number 6. You know what Job said, Roger? He said, I abhor myself. I said, like, wait, 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 wait. What would you say when God got done with him? He said, I abhor myself. You know what? When God gets done with me, Gavin, most of the time, I just abhor myself. What a rotten Christian. Uh, you know when God gets done with you know how he can speak, Scott. He just... The Holy Spirit just touched you in the way, and you just you just melt and say, "Yep, yep, 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 that was all wrong. I I messed all that up." I just love it when God speaks, and we end up just like old Job, verse number six. He said, "Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes." That's the last thing he said. Nothing else recorded. 
Jesus said that there was a publican that also prayed. Now I'm going to preach about the Pharisee if he'll let me tonight. Boy, I want to preach that, so I hope he'll let me. But there was another man that day that Jesus really wanted to tell him about. He said, but the other man, the other man, he said he didn't even so much as lift up his eyes. But he smote upon his breath and said, oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, this man went down to his house justified. Which man? The man that was bragging about all he had done? Nope. No, it was the broken man that said, I ain't done nothing. I have done nothing. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And the reason the Lord said he went down to his house justified is because he was forgiven. The Bible said if the broken heart and the contrite spirit, he would in no wise cast them out. He'll forgive you. He told them in the New Testament, he said if you'd confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. He'll purge you of it. He can do it just like that. The publican went down to his house justified because he had been forgiven. The last thing we hear Job say is, Therefore I abhor myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. You know what happened to Job? He got forgiven. Ain't that good, Lynn? That boy, that's the best news I ever heard. Because I still believe Job was a good man, and I ain't. God forgave Job. You know why? Because Job recognized who he was, and he repented. God said, that's good, Job. That's just exactly right. It ain't ever about you, Job. It's about what I do through you. And then he poured on the blessings. Huh? Any of you blessed here today? Any of you deserve it? That's the right answer. I hope you mean it in your heart. Would you stand with us as we pray? If you need him this morning, I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to ask you if, that if you need the Lord, this is an invitation for you to come. Maybe we all need to just come in here and deal with self-righteousness. Strip it from us. Right? I ain't even give you the good stuff, but good Lord willing, we'll share it tonight if you'll let me. Boy, pray about that. I'd like to preach this tonight. This is dangerous business. But I tell you right now, we need to get right with God over it. It ain't going to get better until we do what Job did. And we acknowledge that we're nothing. He's everything. And I repent. I repent. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge in it. Thank you for exposing in me for the several days now. Those areas of my life where my, my pride nature wants to set up in my mind that I, I have done something good of myself. Oh, no, it's a wicked and a sinful thing. Please help us now. Help us as we yield ourselves, God, to be changed by this. Change us that as a church we might grow 
compassionate toward the sinner that we might see what self-righteousness does, the dangers of it. Lord, help us. We thank you for it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.